0: Welcome everyone to the Gaming Couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch, this is your host, Smartboy. You know, I told myself time and time and time again that I would never do this. But at this point, I think I should. So I'll open up by asking, what the fuck... Happen to evolve. I know at this point it's essentially like low-hanging fruit, you know, everyone pretty much knows about the game and what happened and people have talked about it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to get kind of my two cents in because, because of what happened with the game, gaming that we know today I think is completely different than what it could have been. So let's look at what is potentially the quickest rise to fame and then crash that we've ever seen in gaming history that is Evolve. When it came out, it was something brand new. And obviously people had an interest in the style of the game because now we still have some spiritual successors like Dead by Daylight and Friday the 13th, the game, who've both picked up this extreme asymmetrical style of gameplay that Evolve gave birth to. Now, those games are doing doing all right. You know, they're not like they're huge. I haven't seen them all all around the internet a lot with like, you know a lot of great videos and stuff like that, but they're doing they're doing just, like, they're doing things just right, especially with the void that was left over by Evolve, because Evolve didn't really last, so this idea of what it created was able to be reaped by other people because well, there was no competition. So these games are doing all right. I just want to look at Evolve itself and, like, what the fuck? Like, it, people loved it. People were into it when it came out. And I think, really, when it comes down to it, It was an underdeveloped game. And that was evolved. It was underdeveloped. Looking into it, okay, we got Total Rock Studios, who we know can do multiplayer games. I mean, they've done Left 4 Dead. They've done Counter-Strike. Like You know that this is a studio that knows what they're doing because they've done it time and time again. They're trying something new, though, with this 4v1 style of gameplay, which at the time in history as we know it, especially in the main market, was never touched. It was never really looked at or tried before. So, of course, now everyone has their eyes on Turtle Rock during the year of its release. Because, okay, how are you doing this? How will this work? What are your plans? So on and so forth, because they're taking on a whole new genre in multiplayer games with this extreme asymmetrical style of gameplay. And then, of course, the big question is, what are you going to do with it? If you've created this awesome 4v1 style that you're showing us, what are you going to do with that? And that question, the question of what will you do with it, was the nail in the coffin that kind of secured Evolve as a dead game. They didn't really do anything with it after the game's release. I bought into it. Because, of course, I did. It looked amazing, and I knew the studio was good on their word. So I bought into it, I pre-ordered it, and I got into the beta, and I was playing a lot of it. And it was great. Like, I loved what I saw so far, and I was really excited to see what was going to be made for it. Because I figured, okay, in the beta, it's not a 100% completed game. Like, there are still some elements that are obviously going to be missing. So I'm fine with that for now. When the game gets fully released, I'll see where they fill in the holes and have everything kind of done and completed, but it didn't get finished and completed. What was the beta, with its fairly balanced gameplay and a pretty flushed-out mechanic and really unique experience, was all they came out with. So at least on the positives of the game, this is why I'm so sad that it left, the positives of the game was it gave great rewards to all players. So like the Hunters, if they played well in the beginning, they were rewarded properly. If the monster played well in the beginning, it was rewarded properly, but in a different fashion. And if both sides played well, then it made into a really intense game of cat and mouse, of we're both playing well, so whose tactics is going to win out in the end. So you have the hunter team which is four people, and if they're well-coordinated enough and run a pretty good blitz, you can kill the monster and end the game during stage one, which I was in a few games on the beta that happened. I found these three guys. We made a pretty solid hunter team, and I felt bad for this one guy. We killed him in, like, three minutes after a drop. Like, the match started, and the guy died. We just blitzed him so hard. It happened twice. So the, the hunters have the advantages there because the monster's still pretty weak. But stage two, now that they're even... It's pretty interesting because the monster's pretty much on par strength with the others. Okay, now we can. There's a kind of like a little fighting going on there, a little push and pull on both sides. That there might be a quick encounter, but a definitive winner isn't exact because the monster can hold his own at this point. And then stage three, the tables are turned. Now when the hunters had advantage stage 1, well, the monster has advantage stage 3. And now the hunters are kind of like, shit, let's fall back, regroup, and plan a defense to take this thing on and not get ambushed by it. Because if we get ambushed by the monster, it's not going to be good for us. That isn't a guaranteed, like, yeah, stage 3 monster always wins, or stage 1 hunters can always win. Obviously, any side can win based on the play. It's just the advantages were there. And it came down to that cat and mouse ambush that the hunters could get a good drop. Like the one time we got a drop on a monster who was going into stage three, but that was a thing. We jumped him as he was in the middle of evolving, which means he couldn't react to what we were doing for a bit. So we just destroyed him right then and there, and it felt good because we played well. So the game rewarded that. The mechanics were made out to reward a team that worked well together or a monster that played well enough to just stay underneath the radar or just fight off the hunters well enough to get away and just kind of regroup with itself and eat up and evolve and things like that and not lose the game right away and that was the other thing the combat was pretty quick like if the trapper got the dome down and was able to trap the monster it lasted like i think a minute at most maybe not even and then the the monster had free reign to run away again so it was very quick and it felt like you were battling this great beast because it was like okay we're now trapped in here with you. Someone's going to die, either us or you. And it felt amazing because of that adrenaline rush. Because once that trapper said, it's fucking go time, everyone's like, yeah, this is it. You know, we could live and the game could continue. And a lot of times it did because the monster would be able to evade enough attacks. Still, though, like, your heart started racing because, like, this is the chance for us to secure our win. Or if we fuck up, we lose. Everything rode on that, and it, it just kept feeling great because of this style of just, there. I mean, there was respawning, but if you had a whole team wipe, you lost, and it wasn't like you were fighting an enemy that respawned. It like, this was the fight. If you killed the monster, you won because it was just one of them. It wasn't like Halo or Call of Duty or these other games that it's teams fighting each other. Even with if you do a match without any respawn, still, it's a team versus a team, so there are ways it could swing back and forth. No, this is one guy. Your target's one guy, and now you're trapped in here with him? It's, it's go time. Let's do this. And then another layer to that that the game was kind of exploring was the environment. That the environment, one, was pretty large maps, and it was fun to explore those maps because when you weren't fighting the monster and you were just trying to, like, track them and you were following the trapper with the trail, it kind of gave you a chance to just kind of look around and see what was around you, and each map was different and unique in the way it looked, places it provided to fight because of advantages to both the hunters and the monster of where they could, you know, kind of hold up. And then also the native species of the planet that were there also. Some of them were carnivorous and aggressive, and some of them were passive. And each map kind of provided its own thing. So it was cool that it felt very natural. Like, yeah, I'm on this alien planet, essentially, that's not Earth, and we're doing a thing. You know, we're tracking this great beast, and there's just things around us that we have to keep an eye out for. Like, there was one map I remember. It was a snowy map that had this waterfall and this great river kind of running through the middle of it. And I can't remember what the name of the creature was, but essentially think of something like a crocodile, you know, was living in these waters. And if you jumped into that water and no one else was around, the thing would just grab you, pull you under, and there was nothing you could do and you would die. Like the planet was also trying to kill you because there was predators there. So there was always that urge that as a team to stay together and as a monster, if you're stage one, you know, I'm not going to fight that sloth. I'm not going to fight that big thing over there because I know it can wreck me. I'm going to come back later when I'm stage three so I can get a lot of points and eat it. It was nice and it, it felt like it added to this 4v1 experience because a lot of games i feel don't bring in environment when it comes to competitive multiplayer the environment usually isn't too impactful beyond just hey is this a good place for us to fight or not it's like kind of the you know the setting around it not just what's in the environment i mean i remember the one time that same map that same kind of like snowy map with the river running through it there's a cave system in the northeast corner of it and it was a very dark cave. You know, obviously the hunters have flashlights and stuff. But still, your sight is limited in a cave, even with, you know, personal lights. And I knew that in there, there were some these creatures that aren't exactly friendly and might attack us. So we chased the Goliath for quite some time and eventually retreated into that cave. And we get to the entrance. We all stop. And I'm like, hold up, guys. Let's not go in there. I was playing the warrior. It was like the, the tanky guy. I'm like, let's not go in there. We're not going to win in there. I don't want to go in there because there are things in there besides the monster that would eat us and we won't see it coming. So we end up flushing it out with grenades and other things and kind of, like, cover the entrances to try and just flush the damn thing out. Eventually we did, but it got away and the chase was on again. But it felt good. It felt real. Like, we actually had to plan out our attack beyond just run and gun in there because a lot of things could happen. A lot of things could go wrong. We went in there because – and we talked about this before – You have four human brains working together as the hunters, but the one thing Evolve was doing is now the big bad beast is also played by a human. So it's not just some AI that's programmed. There's now a human mind behind there that thinks like you, and it's thinking about, okay, if I'm in this cave, what might the hunters try and do? And it's trying to plan against you. Now, that's stressful as a monster anyway, because you know there's four brains working against you to kill you. Still, though, it was stressful on both sides. Like, you know, think back to World of Warcraft – And you did the dungeons or those big raids where there was 5, 10, 15, hell, like 30 of you fighting a boss that was an AI. Imagine if it wasn't an AI. Imagine if it was a human player that could react differently to your party beyond just checks and balances of programming an AI to do a thing. It was great. Like, the mechanics were great. And I'm, I'm praising this game right now because I'm really upset with what it did with pretty much it was handed... Gold. Like, 200 Series was just handed gold. Like, you were the first ones to try this. It's perfect. Like, you can do whatever you want with it. And then they didn't. And it, it hurts, because I can talk so much good about this game with the way it was built, but not the way it was finished. Because it wasn't flushed out, it wasn't a flushed out challenge at the start, it just fell apart quickly. So we have all these great mechanics, we have all this great time playing the game, but when you're not playing the game... There's nothing there. The focus went in the wrong direction of the game. So the big thing, and all of you who have been listening to me, you know, this past month or so, you know I'm a man that really enjoys a good story in a game. Evolve didn't have that. Evolve did not have a flushed-out narrative. Now, I'm not saying that every game is a flushed-out narrative. I mean, you look at, like, Overwatch. It is just multiplayer matches. However, there is some lore behind it, like you can go online, there's videos you can look at, there's publications and comics and stuff like that that develop the characters outside the game that you can pursue if you want, giving you the background of what Overwatch is and what the world is, including the characters within it. As far as I know, Evolve never did publications like that. When you look at the narrative, the entire idea was this one planet, somehow these alien species found their way onto the planet, that don't belong there and they're pretty much monsters like there's these big giant creatures that murder everything and so this one guy recruits the galaxy pretty much best hunters soldiers and scientists stuff like that to come together to come in and evacuate and that what was great about the opening story was the idea wasn't you're winning the idea was we're going down there to find out whatever we can about these things and get people out of there and then just book it you knew that you were not winning the war from the get-go and that was pretty cool like alright I can buy into this is Interesting idea of we're not trying to win, we're just trying to save people and get out. So where do these things come from? How did they get there? What exactly are they? And at least for this group of the galaxy's best, well, who are these people? Because the opening cinematic was amazing. And it introduced all the characters real quick, so you had an idea of who was there and what they could do. And you're like, all right, I want to find out more about these people. Never find out. There were some small profiles given in the game and on the website, and, like, short bits of banter during a game that happened between some of the hunters, depending on who was present. But that was really it. Beyond that, we didn't get anything else. We just got more questions. So, like, a couple of the characters that I remember quite well for that, you know, quick snippet of banter they had, one of them was Maggie. Apparently, she was a trapper. Apparently, she's fought the monsters before, and she's seen them on other planets okay what other planets how'd you get out of there how'd you live because apparently she was the only survivor so how'd you get off the planet what the hell happened talk to us about it what do you know we never find out we never find out more about her her past val who apparently was a spy in this military organization and she joined up the hunters as a medic and i i think if i remember correctly there was some banter went on that she decided to turn her back on the military and just kind of make the hunters her new home like her new comrade she said if Fuck these guys that hired me. I don't care anymore. Okay, why? Like, why are you turning your back on them and everything? And also, what do they want to know about us? Like, why is the military sending a spy to us that we now know about? Never really find answers for that. And then Hank, who was pretty much my favorite character from the get-go, was this great support guy, apparently was just a miner. He was a space miner, and he had a license for, like, you know, some pretty powerful technology, like laser cutters and this orbital drill and all this, you know, these really... Awesome tools and stuff like that that no one else had a license for because they weren't miners. Well, he joins up. Okay, why? Everyone else kind of makes sense. They were like bounty hunters, ex soldiers in various wars, and like a Martian war. We had big game hunters. I know a couple of the trappers, like really big game hunters that were known throughout the galaxy. All these people make sense for being there, even the scientists even if they weren't, like, combat scientists, that they were scientists, so it made sense for them to be there to study these creatures. So what's the deal with Hank? If he's just a space miner, what convinced him to join up with these guys to fight big, terrible beasts? Was it just a moral high ground? Like, he felt it in his heart, okay, I have the chance to save people, let me do this? We're not, we're not sure. Like, they, they never really say it. And even Lazarus, who was another medic, had the ability to zap people alive to bring them back from the from the dead. He could just say, bam, rise. Like, it was his thing, he said, rise, and bam, someone comes from the back from the dead, Okay, how'd you get that glove? How was this developed? Like, oh my god, we can raise people from the dead, how? I don't know. Never never told, never found out anything about the Lazarus glove or Lazarus himself how any of that was developed. And then like the, the real what really cemented it in for me that this game did not give two shits about its characters or developing anything. If I remember correctly, the two characters was Hank and Val. I know Val was present, and it might have been Hank because I was playing as him. You know, just before a match started, the Hunters would be in the shuttle about to do a drop. And there's always some banter that happens there before the drop. And I remember what happened was Hank looked at Val and asked, you know, I barely know you. Like, you know, we're going down and fighting these monsters, but I don't know much about you. And her response was, well, yeah, there's like no time to talk before drop. And then they drop and the match starts. It's like, okay, good point. You can't talk much when you're on the show. They're about to drop and fight this hunter and try and, you know, you're risking your lives. Good point. But what about when you're at HQ? Obviously, the, the there's some sort of, like, base that they're established on. There was this ship that they flew in on that's still in orbit that they're evacuating people to to get off the planet. And I'm assuming that when the hunters kill a monster or they're done with the mission, they head back to HQ to get some rest and eat and stuff like that, and, you know, deal with human things. So why not sit and just get to know each other then? It, it's a perfect time. You're not fighting anything. You're not stressed out on the planet. Sit back and have a good chat. Find out more about them right then and there. Nothing. We never learn anything about character relationships beyond that. There's apparently two of the characters were old flings, or one of them ha- was like in love with one of the scientists. Something like that, but we never get anywhere with that. We're just hinted at that. Okay, what? And then there was even this one scientist who was there, who was one of the medics. Her sole job was to be there, to research the monsters, find out what she could about them, and find a way to better fight them. So we're, so she's here to learn about more about the monsters, which, of course, now we're interested in. Tell us about these beasts. How can the Kraken fly? Why can it summon lightning? Why can the wraith turn invisible? Why can it make decoys? There's so many interesting questions. And the entire purpose of this character is to give us answers. Nothing. We don't find out anything else about these monsters besides just the gameplay. So all of this stuff is created... Around this great core mechanic of 4v1 asymmetric, hardcore, stressful gameplay, and then nothing after that. There is no development beyond the game. Like, you've made the mechanics. Essentially, we just have this glorified test game, like a proof of concept. Like, yeah, this is how we're gonna make 4v1 combat work. Okay, cool. What else? Nothing. You know, a game needs more than just that. If we're really looking, especially at a, a big-name game, we're paying 60 bucks for it, AAA and all that kind of stuff, there needs to be more than just proof of concept. It's not just a basic game. It is a fully fleshed-out, developed idea. There needs to be more than just here's how to play the game. Every other game that we love to play, especially the big league games, especially online games, have some background whether it's in the game itself or it's stuff you find online and just a quick note about like you know dead by daylight and Friday the 13th the game well yeah they don't need to do it because they've already been established they are slasher games we know what a slasher thriller movie is like we know friday the 13th so the game doesn't have to do anything else beyond make a pretty good 4v1 game because the world has already been established Evolve did not have a pre-established world. They had to establish their lore and the world at the same time they were making the game, which couldn't have been that hard. Like, So here's a theory I have. An idea that could have been used to give a little more meat on the bones of this game, to give us a little more lore. Why not have an interactive main menu? So the standard main menu of Evolve was like most games, like Evolve, Heroes of the Storm, and those others, like big multiplayer games. You know, It was just like, your profile, find a match, friends, you know, like the basics, right? How about instead, we have a menu that makes it look like you're at HQ, you're on the ship or wherever HQ is. It looks like it's kind of like that, where you're a person on the ship, but, you know, it's just a menu, so you just select where to go. And you could select, you know, the, the drop shuttle, which is the find a game, and that's on one section of the ship. And then another section of the ship has, I don't know, like, a barracks. So it's like this other section you can click on that says character profiles and it brings you to this other area where it shows the characters like they're interacting with each other. You know, kind of like you know when an XCOM two when you're making your base and there is the, the like the memorial with the bar and there's a training system stuff like that. And when you click on the different areas, sometimes you'll see your soldiers that you've hired and you created just doing things. It's not much, but it shows that those soldiers are human beings beyond just Deploy and fight aliens. So, kind of do that. Show these characters that we're playing as just kind of interacting with each other. And then maybe like have another area where it's like logs or something like that. And in these various areas, you learn tidbits about the characters. You learn things about the planet. You learn things about the monsters. You get all this kind of backstory that's slowly given to you in a sense of like be rewarded for playing the game. So, as you play the game, you level up and you get like skins and stuff like that you know, for the creatures, you get perks, you know, other things, why not have it that as you play, let's say you play a game as Maggie ten times, or you're at least in a match with someone playing Maggie thirty times, I don't know, something like that, and then it unlocks a log, or backstory stuff, maybe a cutscene or something that involves Maggie that tells us more about who she is, how she survived that initial attack of aliens on whatever godforsaken planet she was on. Then we're getting rewarded for playing the game beyond just getting perks, like, Essentially, it gives the game some life in the way that, yes, these people are constantly dropping, fighting these monsters, which is a war they can't win. They're just doing it to buy time and learn what they can. So then we learn more. Like, as we play the game, as we are these hunters fighting these monsters, we learn more about the hunters that we're playing as. Because over time, people would interact with each other. Obviously, if you're on a team with others fighting for your lives, essentially, to rescue other people and evac this planet, you want to know who you're working with. So over time, we'd learn more about the people in logs or little cutscenes or something like that that we could just look at the menu and it gives something a little more to do beyond just click to find a game. Heck, make it where when you're finding a game, you can look over those logs. So you're in the queue and you're just looking at things over at the same time. It gives something to do. On the monster's hand, why not give some cutscenes that shows like the scientists figuring stuff out. On the ship, like they're connecting experiments or something like that, and they're learning more things. So as you play the monsters, you unlock more cutscenes or you unlock more logs or audio logs, you know, like with the hunters that tell you more about the monsters you've been playing as because since you were playing as the monster being hunted, obviously these hunters are being exposed to you as they're fighting you. It's it would just give the life that we needed to everything that we can do. You have all these players. I mean, hell, you started with 12 hunters and three monsters. When the game was first released, That's what it was, 12 hunters, three monsters, and then they already had predictions for two more monsters and eight more hunters. So with every monster came away with four hunters, one for each main class. So you already have a lot to work with. With 12 characters, those are 12 different backstories you could look at. Those are 12 different characters that could have relationships with the other people on the ship. There's so much you're looking at that's just like hanging there. It's just dangling in front of you saying, hey, you already have all these people. Just tell us about them a little bit. Hell, just tell us why are they here. Give us a little bit about their past. Nothing crazy, but just give us something that says this is a person, this is an actual character, not just some class that you're playing as in a game. And then on the monster's hand, beyond being this hulking, terrifying beast you have to fight, you just kind of find out more about it. Be like, okay, that's pretty neat. Oh, I learned how the Kraken can summon lightning. It's just like cool little tidbits that make Evolve feel more real And feel like a world that's actually been created and established. To to give another visual, think of like Mass Effect. Have you ever played Mass Effect or Dragon Age or any of those other major things that Bioware kind of popped out that's an RPG? You know, looking at Mass Effect, when you're at the ship, when you're on the Normandy, you can walk around the ship and talk to your comrades to learn more about them. And, you know, other crew members. You just kind of like find out little things about them. You can look at messages, logs, email, stuff like that. just kind of give you a little more context of the world and just get flush out a little more things that are going on around you. And that's what I'm looking at. I'm not saying that you're an actual character running around the ship, but there's that idea where you can just move around HQ and just learn about the people around you. Now we're a little more invested in the game because it's not just a multiplayer game, it's a game that as we play, we are learning more about it. We are doing what the Hunter set out to do. We are discovering more things about these monsters and saving people, and then we're rewarded with that. It's handed to us. It's like, hey, you know what? You've been playing a lot? You've been doing a lot of fights? Well, guess what? You learned something new about the monsters, or you learned something new about Hank or Maggie. Like, okay, cool. This is pretty neat. It's not much, but it's just that little bit that we need to feel justified playing so much and learning about these characters. And The other thing is, it would set Turtle Rock up to give a little more reason to release new content. So let's... content. Let's say you learn about these three monsters. The Kraken, the Wraith, and the Goliath, which were the starting three monsters. And now they unleash the fourth monster, the Behemoth. Well, shit. We already learned everything we had about these past three monsters. Now this new one showed up? Let's learn about that. And now, because new content is released, we are now playing the game more to just play as the Behemoth and play against it for fun, yes but then we learn more about it, so it's continuing study. Like, the world in the game continues to live on through this new content that is being made. Awesome. Amazing. That would fill in a lot of the holes that were missing. And then from there, you know, not even about the narrative, let's talk about, that. like, the pushing out of the new monsters and the new characters and stuff like that. We get new questions. Again, now that we get these new hunters, okay, where do these people come from? I think there was, like, you know... There was a talk about something like that in one of the season passes that there was this new wave of hunters that were all people who were already on the planet who lived there and who were native and that now joined the hunters. Okay, how? Like, how did they meet up? How did they survive for so long? All that kind of stuff because we know these people didn't come in initially. They weren't one of the initial 12. So now we have more questions about how these people survive and everything. There's this one guy who apparently is a bug man. How did he become a bug? Interesting. Let's find out more about that. Nope, none of that. We, we don't get... Anything about these new characters and given to us, which just means there's more questions now added. Also, if these are survivors who are now trying to fight back, okay, is this, like, actually a war that's now potentially worth winning because people are showing that, you know, people on the planet are able to now fight back also? Is that more narrative we can get that actually, wait, what we thought at first was just a search and rescue mission is now a let's try and save the planet mission and, you know, kick the monsters off? Is that possible? We don't know. These are just questions we're given that we never really explore. We're just given more and more and more playable content in the forms of just characters and monsters. You know, the game modes don't go any further. And I'm not 100% bashing them for that. Because when you have a 4v1 where it's people versus monsters, it's difficult to find game modes that would work within reason. So they came up with 4. There was a standard hunt, which is just find and kill the monster, or the monster kills the hunter slash destroys the generator at stage 3. And then there was the egg hunt, where the monster was protecting eggs, and if the hunters destroyed enough eggs, they won. Then, on the other hand, there was a search and rescue, where the hunters had to find people that were on the on planet side, and get them back to a drop zone so they can get picked up. And the monster obviously was trying to kill the humans. And then the last thing was the evac mode, which was really interesting. Wave defense, where the hunters were trying to guard this station that was like the last stretch, like the last group of people having to get on the ship to evac. You were trying to hold off waves of monsters, so there was a player-controlled monster and then, like, two AI behemoths that were... or Goliaths that were in there also. Okay, so maybe we could have gotten more game modes. It would have been difficult, but we just kept getting more and more people to play as, but nothing to do with them, nothing to learn about them, nowhere to put them. They're just a here, there's more to play. Stop giving us questions. And transferring from the narrative... To the core mechanics, like I said, at the start, the core mechanics were great. With the beta testing, there were some changes here and there, obviously, especially with the Wraith. The Wraith went through a lot, which is fine. That's the whole point of testing before you release the game. Cool. When they found out a way to kind of like give everything a pretty fair balance, because there was a lot of checks and balances, they had to go into it because the three monsters being on their own team had to be powerful enough to fight a group of four hunters, but the four hunters could be... Each class of four classes could be one of three different people. There's a lot of variables to look at. They made it work, and then they unleashed the Behemoth. And everything kind of just mechanic-wise just kind of went to shit. I remember playing the Wraith a lot and then trying out the Kraken, and I learned after the Behemoth's release I couldn't play the Wraith of the Kraken anymore because the Behemoth was this massive Behemoth, go figure, with a lot of health, and high shields, so it could soak up a lot of damage. So the new wave of hunters that were released with it, and each wave of hunters, like the four hunters that were released with the monster, it was supposed to be kind of like their counter to that monster, in a sense. So we get these four new hunters that can dish out some really high DPS to fight the Behemoth, could now melt the Wraith, and possibly even melt the Kraken, because they weren't built to be tanky. They weren't built to be bulky they were built as utilities the wraith was about hit and run tactics and the kraken was more of like a mage type character like flying staying behind and shooting people from a distance so high dps would really mess with them and then the roles you know the four main roles which i think the first one was warrior something like that warrior fighter support medic and trapper each of them had their own roles and then things started to get a little blurry between the roles so originally the medic was in charge of two things Healing and creating weak points. Two of the three medics had the ability with a sniper rifle to create weak points on the monster that then, if they were hit by, like, the trapper or the warrior with their guns, would do extra damage. So the medic had a purpose beyond just keeping people alive. They were, like, the ranged units. They were the guys with the sniper rifle in the back, staying at a safe distance, setting up the others to do more damage. So you had to get a little more coordination between the warrior and the medic, besides, hey, keep me alive, Is hey, can you hit hit the little bit to get some weak points on the face so I can dish out a lot of damage to bring this bad boy down. Here comes in the fourth warrior from the first season pass, or the second one, or whatever. The fourth guy comes in, and now he can create his own weak points. He can chuck this explosive device that covers the monster in weak points that then he can exploit himself with an auto shotgun. So now all of a sudden, well, this, I don't need the medic to, to hook me up with weak points anymore. I, I got it on my own. So I'm just going to run off on my own, dish out a shit ton of damage to the monster, and then Lazarus can come by and revive me because I can do this all on my own. Because I still have my my passive, like the, glo- the warrior's global ability that every warrior had was the I have a shield so I can't get hurt for a set amount of time. Okay, he can just go do that now. He doesn't need the medic to set him up anymore. You start to blur that line. And now you have one of two things. Either a medic who's just like, well, I mean, I don't need, I'm not needed for the weak points. Or it's, you know what? Fuck it. Let me play as Val, who can set up a lot of weak points on her own with her semi-auto sniper, with what the, uh, the new warrior is doing, and we'll just double out the damage. Because now there's twice as many weak points being created because we can both do it. Utterly melting a monster instantly if it gets trapped. What the fuck? Like, the damage is so high then. Diversity is needed, yes. Every character in each class needs a bit of diversity to make them different than the other. Lazarus being a medic that waited for people to die and then revived them, Val, on the other hand, had a med gun that said, this only works when you're alive, so I'm trying to keep you alive. They were both medics, but operated a little differently. And then in terms of supports, the three main supports all did the same thing. They were supporting the team, and also they had access to the Biggest burst damage weapons that could do high amount of damage, but not really sustained for that long. Except for Hank with his laser cutter was rapid fire, so it could do some decent damage. But it needed the weak points set up from the medic to really dish out that damage. The warrior, on the other hand, was always sustainable. He could always do some decent damage on his own, weak points or not. He didn't need any bonus. The bonus just helped. However, on top of their big weapons, all three of them had something different. One of them was able to deploy sentries, and then since he was a robot, he could rip his head off, and it could be its own little flying bot that he could control to go and mark the beast. So the trapper is in charge of pitting the monster down, but now this robot can kind of, like, pin them, you know, give a little blip mark on the map somewhere and say, this is where the monster is, let's go. There was another guy, again, Hank, who had a shield that he could project a shield onto others to make it where they couldn't get hurt. But every time they got hit then depending on the damage they took, it would then reduce the overall charge of the shield, and he had to wait for it to recharge. So it was similar to the warrior's ability. However, the warrior was, I get a personal shield for a set amount of time, and I wait for it to recharge. Hank was, I could give it to any of my allies, but not myself, and there was a limit to how much it could do, and I needed to recharge after I use it, otherwise it will run out too fast. I had to be really stingy with it. And then the third support was able to drop, similar to the robot, he could mark the monster, but what it was is he would mark a location, drop this payload that unleashed this mist, that would then mark everything in the area, monster included. So the monster and the native creatures were then marked for a time, so you knew where they were, even if they left the area because they were coded in you always knew where they were. So each of these three support characters supported the team and had the ability to dish out some heavy burst damage. They essentially were good initiators in combat, but they weren't good at sustained damage and staying in the combat long you know, as a soul damage. However, each of them were unique in what they did. They all fulfilled their their roles very well, but in their own way. They didn't blur the line and take things from the other classes as their own. They didn't have the ability to pin the monster down like the trapper or heal people like the medic, and they didn't have the ability to do high sustained damage or shrug off attacks like the warrior could. It was nice and well-balanced at the start. It was just disappointing. You know, I, I haven't even talked about the paywalls, and frankly, because I don't care. Yes, the DLC was behind paywalls, and the season passes required you to pay for them. I'm not mad at that. I'm mad at the fact that we paid for content that was just pretty much unfinished and then just started to break the core mechanics that we were given at the start, the rules that we were given to start. Like, the monster can sniff people out. Well, now we have a medic that just makes it where the monster can't smell anymore, and it blocks their senses. Have you ever tried playing a 20-foot goliath in a cave trying to fight the hunters? If you can't sniff them out and highlight them, you can't see them, because you can't see in the dark. So it just breaks what we initially knew, that as the monster, one of its one-ups was, I can sniff you out. Well, now you can't. That's like a major handicap, because that's one of the reasons why the monster has the upper hand. So, again, the paywalls couldn't do anything about that. The paywalls couldn't make better content. It was just we're paying for more content. The content we were getting is where Turtle Rock kind of dropped it. Now, we all know that it kind of receded and retreated back into that cheaper, more free-to-play area of the Internet. It's still around Evolve Stage 2 on Steam. You know, it's still there and everything. You can look at it and stuff like that. But we need to learn from this. You know, I did, and I'm sure a lot of people had so much hope for Evolve. Like the entire, what was it, year or whatever, before its release, there was so much news about it because everyone was interested to see where this game was going to go. And looking at 4v1 that no one looked at, it was great. And everyone, each monster and each hunter played differently. So not only is it 4v1, it's a 4v1 where everything is unique and everyone is different. And since it's a human mind controlling all elements, both the Hunters and the Monster, is all its own unique human playing the game, there is so much stress, and it's just so tense going into a match with these other people. And the ball was just dropped. You know, again, we have Friday the 13th, the game. We have Dead by Daylight. But they don't have to do anything beyond being a slasher because slashers work. My hope is maybe bring back Evolve in a different way. Keep up with this 4v1 style of gameplay, but have a studio that isn't afraid to develop a story and complete world behind it. Because then we'll have a new genre of gaming to kind of sink our teeth into as we continue to explore what VR has for us. Because VR can do a lot, but it still goes down to those games of like first-person shooters and exploring those things a little more in depth, but nothing really innovative beyond just it's a virtual reality. 4v1 is innovative on its own in how it can be played and how the mechanics are balanced. We just need someone who isn't afraid to take that and develop a solid story behind it. So that's my hope for the future. I am not a game designer in any way. I know I don't know a lot of coding. I just hope that someone out there will pick up this mantle for us and give us the evolve we all want. Thank you all. I will catch you next week. And my look at is dungeon crawling and RPGs. Because we're playing a lot of Skyrim recently. It's giving me a lot of ideas. So, until next time, take care and happy hunting. Join us every Sunday at 8 p.m. for a new episode of Gaming Couch. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at Gaming Couch for news and updates. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, shoot us an email at gamingcouchpodcast at gmail.com.